Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, we spent a lovely Sunday morning together watching the Spurs and Chelsea duke it out for some silverware, dude, at the Britannia Arms pub. And uh, as we are now very used to, it did not go our way. (laughs) The Spurs really are the uh, English equivalent of the Sharks. I, I agree with you. They are... They it looks like they're doing well, and then they kind of fade and give it away at the end. <laughs> Good start, but overwhelmed by just a better team. I mean, Chelsea's just they're a machine, and when you see who they're bringing in at the end, they're bringing in you know Drogba and Oscar for the final five minutes of garbage time. It's just completely unfair. But uh, it was still fun. We had a good time. Brits a fun place to watch watched soccer, and uh, the Chelsea fans took it easy on us, dude. So we had a good time. Yeah, there was no soccer hooliganism in San Jose this time. (laughs) Not this time, dude. Although I think there might be some hooliganism starting soon at the tank since the Sharks went winless at home for the entire month of February. Can you believe that, dude? Uh, No, I think... If I remember this right, it was it's the first time since like 1994 that the Sharks have gone a month without winning at home, something like that. You know, we're talking to the dark ages, uh, the bad times, the the lean years that no one likes to remember. So, are you saying that this year will be one of those years? <laughs> it, it certainly looks like it right now, right? I, I mean, the Sharks uh, won a couple good games at the end of January, and they haven't managed to win one since, including. Uh, the Levi's game, so it's it's a mess. It's a mess well, in Sharks land right now. Let's let's start there, dude, with the Stadium Series game. Um, you know, Mike and I had plans to go to this game together, and I was uh, uh, disabled literally yeah. uh, with a with a knee injury. Uh, I had it was laid up that weekend. Couldn't walk. Couldn't go to the game. It was soul crushing that I could not attend with you, dude. So I, I watched it on the tube. But you were there in person, dude. Tell the listeners what it was like. It was cool. It was a great experience. Uh, you know, obviously with seventy thousand people in the stadium, and and quite a few Kings fans, of course, because people would travel for a game like that where you get to play outdoors at the new stadium. The new stadium is definitely very posh. Uh, lots of, um, you know, little touches there that make you understand and realize that this is a modern day stadium. You know, you, you see the trash bins and it says like landfill and recycling <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. It's like very, uh, Northern California, like, uh, environmental. That's pretty funny. Um, you know, good food choices and all that kind of stuff. Of course, you know, the sight lines to the game are not going to be as good as when they're at the tank. You're going there mostly for... The experience of seeing an outdoor game, the experience and the pageantry of it all, uh, even if you spent a lot of money, as we did, on seats, um, you get a good view of the game, but you're certainly nowhere near as close to the action as you are when you're sitting inside. So uh, from that perspective, it was it was fine, but obviously the story of the night is the Sharks 
unable to win against the Kings. And uh, the Kings, I believe that was their seventh in a row win. The Kings, as they always seem to do, are peaking at the right time or turning it on at the right time, just like we predicted all year, right? We said we didn't care that the Kings were out of the playoffs. We expected them to be able to turn it on when things got real. And now they have. Yeah, it it pains me to compare the Kings again to my beloved San Francisco Giants, but there is something to that with both those teams just understanding when when it's time to get serious, and uh, the Kings have that magic formula. Uh, no matter what tweaks they do, when it gets to 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 March and April and May and June, they know how to win. They know how to win, and that that's a draw that you know. I'm sure Anaheim's uh, buttholes puckered up pretty pretty tight when they saw the Kings starting to to get out of it a little bit, and uh, I'm sure they don't want to see them, you know, in the playoffs and hoping that they'll crash and burn. But that's not going to happen, to dude. It looks like the team that is crashing and burning hard are our San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I can't. It's hard to even describe what exactly is going so wrong. It seems. Seems like all the wheels are are falling off at the same time. It's not just oh they're making bad defensive plays because they are. It's not like oh they don't have any offensive firepower because they don't. And it's not like oh they just are having trouble with goaltending because they are. They're having trouble with everything right now. It seems like they're giving up uh, power play goals against. They're making bad turnovers. They're losing leads in the third period. It's you know where do we start? How how down do we want to be this episode, dude? I, I'm sure. All the listeners and and Sharks fans are already down enough. Do we want to drag them further into despair? Yes. (laughs) Okay, this is that kind of podcast, is it? Well, dude, I I think that we'll certainly, this is the the trade deadline preview, so I think we'll spend some time talking about, you know, what do we think the Sharks are going to do, you know, today and tomorrow? Um, what should they do? And, you know, I I don't know if we should get too far into where do we go from here? Because, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to change here in the next couple of months, but it's it's disheartening. You could see the Nashville loss coming from a mile away. And then I certainly thought that they were going to lose the game in Dallas just because they'd be thinking about the outdoor game. And then they won that game. Right. Losing the stadium series game on a national stage like that in front of 70,000 people is wildly disappointing, but not shocking. But then to come back and blow two home leads against Detroit and get complete, they were so outclassed by Detroit and they were so outclassed by Ottawa last night in the second half of both of those games, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And the Sharks are the sixth worst team in the nhl in 2015 the sixth worst they're in oiler buffalo arizona carolina territory dude yeah and toronto they and those are the five worst i think and then san jose (sighs) wow wow (laughs) yeah that's not that's not illustrious company no it's terrible and i think even even some of our uh fellow sharks uh, bloggers with, with who have kept maybe some of the the rosiest possible outlooks on the season have finally turned on this team <laughs> finally and it's justified they they have kicked the fans in the nuts <laughs> too many times yeah too many times 
And you know, the team today went out for a team lunch, dude, with Todd McCollin's blessing instead of going to practice. So I'm sure they've ironed everything out. Right, right. I think uh, one of us made a uh, a sarcastic tweet about they just need to go back to Tahoe because that clearly worked for them early in the season. So clearly, the, clearly the question of the day is where did they go to lunch, dude? What is the correct venue for the, oh, no, we've lost nine games straight at home and now we need to turn this thing around? What do you think? Well, I, I was thinking it would be in and out because they were in the playoffs and now they're out. <laughs> That's true. I was actually thinking... Uh, I was thinking Mr. Chow's because if they're going to shit the bed on the ice, they might as well shit the bed for real. <laughs> um, I'd like to throw out Wendy's because in the second half of games, they've been playing like five-year-old girls. <laughs> that works. Or just they could go to the borough uh, because, frankly, they got really good food at the borough, so I'm a fan of it. <laughs> I think they should go there because... You know, the margaritas are good, and uh, you know, it's a pretty decent atmosphere there. You know, not yeah. a bad choice. Yeah. Um, they could go to Benny Hanna's because clearly they like home cooking. <laughs> dude, um, I don't know. Dude. Yeah. I, 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 I think, you know, seeing Todd McClellan's quote after the game last night where he said, to go in again and have another powwow and do all that stuff is getting old, getting real old. And that's a quote. Yeah. What does that tell you about how T-Mac feels about this situation? Does it mean he's completely given up? It, I'm, is that is that waving the white flag? Is that an, him admitting, I got, no, I got nothing. I got nothing here, guys. I did what I thought I needed to do in order to get this team ready, and now it's not working, so I'm, I'm out of ideas. How, what else can he do? This, this, at this point... Cattle prod. I think, it's, I think it's 100% lock that he's fired. I mean, I, I think it's a lock. And, you know, they, they talk over and over again on uh, TSN's Hockey Central podcast about this rumored rift between T-Mac and Doug Wilson and that they're not getting along. They don't speak anymore. You know, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of stuff in the rumor mill this week, this whole Patrick Sharp, uh, is, uh, sleeping with the world business and (laughs) the fight in the, uh, in the Blackhawks locker room. And now they're all coming out and saying it's bogus and Sharp says he's going to hire a lawyer and (laughs) all of this stuff. dude. I mean, who knows what to believe, but, but I know what I believe. I think the Sharks team is not listening to the coaching staff anymore. They there is no connection between the two. None. Right. And and you know the in real life when something like that happens, usually it's the coach that takes the fall. It's a lot easier to fire the coach than to get rid of a bunch of players. And maybe T Mac is saying all the right things and maybe he's giving them all the right notes and things to change and they're just not doing it. And uh for whatever reason in sports, usually that means it's the coach's failure to motivate rather than the team's failure to listen and execute according to those instructions. I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I could sort of see it both ways, but most likely the reality will be Tom McClellan will be seeking greener pastures uh, at the end of the season. I think, I think you're right about that. And whether or not there's a riff between those two, 
I don't think it really matters. The fact is, it's pretty clear the team doesn't care what Todd McClellan says at this point. And whether, whether or not there's a rift between those two guys or not, uh, I think it's becoming blatantly obvious that the team doesn't really care about what the coaching staff needs and it's time to bring in a different coach. Maybe that is willing to, uh, in fact, back up uh, what he says with one of the few levers that a coach actually has, which is ice time. We've seen in other on other teams where good players are getting sit, good players are losing uh, spots in the lineup or they're sitting for a period or they're sitting for a game. And it seems like that hasn't happened. I mean, has there been even a okay player that's, that's sitting? It's always, you know, everybody's in the lineup every night. I mean, yeah, you know, Joe no. and Patty, and I don't know if those are the offenders, right? I mean, Joe obviously is probably the best performing shark this year. So maybe we shouldn't even be talking about him, but if we're talking about a guy, let's say, you know, a guy who hasn't got a lot of goals like Matt Nieto, let's say Matt Nieto is not doing the right things. Although his possession stats are pretty good, but let's say for the sake of argument, he's not, he's certainly not like losing a lot of ice time. He's certainly not sitting any games out. I mean, there's no like message that seems to be sent to these guys. It's just like, okay, we're going to tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, we'll just play you the next game as well. And then we'll just hope that you do it then. And you know, a guy like Peter LaViolette, he's like, yeah, have fun, you know, sit next to the organist or whatever. Yeah, dude, I completely agree with you. And, and it is from a fan's perspective to, to, be frustrated by hearing well you know there are some guys that still aren't giving a full effort well in your in your opinion from the coach like i have no idea i know that a lot of the players are underperforming but who specifically is he irritated with and can you please just do something about it and maybe scratch them or this team is not going anywhere this year right i mean oh yeah maybe they'll squeak into the playoffs, which would be, you know, vintage sharks to pull that off at the end. Right. But, um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're, they're so far down a spiral that that's not going to happen. So if, if guys are, are underperforming, they're not doing what you're asking them to do. I mean, he said to them after the first period against Detroit, he came out and said, he warned them. He said, be aware the Red Wings are going to come out and push you. In the second half, they're going to play with another gear. And the players admitted after the game that he said that, and they didn't listen. <laughs> yeah. And they admitted it. And you know what? I give, I give Pavelski and Wingles, who are the only two guys who seem to be willing to stand up and like take any heat right now. I mean, why, why the hell isn't Joe Pavelski our captain yet? Like, what, what, is, what are we waiting for? I don't know. I guess we maybe they're trying to avoid the inevitable media firestorm that'll come along with that again. They don't want I don't to create, think, create another thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody. It's it's so obvious at this point. I think it might actually help. You know what? The baton's been passed. It's been passed. It's so clearly been passed. Ah. And, and I think according to a David Pollock or somebody, it was Pavelski that initiated the lunch. Uh, at Mr. Chow's today, <laughs> or wherever they went, you know. I'm, I'm, I hope I everybody only got it's Mr. Chow's. I hope everybody got the house chicken, <laughs> dude. Let's uh, talk about the trade deadline because yeah. you know the Sharks on the outside looking in right now in the playoffs with several pending unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents. Uh, some moves have already started in San Jose in terms of. Um, 
you know, minor signings, players being waived, roster spots being opened for something to happen in the next 24 hours. Um, time again was waived today, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a extremely disappointing season for time again, who was brought in to, to play an energy role on the bottom six. He was never able to grab onto it. And, uh, it was a a flush of a third down round pick down the toilet, essentially. Yep. Um, where do you think they go from here with him? Is he just going to be buried in Worcester and then, as a restricted free agent, non tendered? I think that's likely. I think that they gave this guy every opportunity to take a spot. There were so many question marks about where the Sharks were at the beginning of the season in terms of the bottom six. Well, there still are in a lot of ways. And and time again was brought in specifically for that role, and he couldn't do it. I, I don't know what other teams are going to think when they look at this guy and they say, this guy was basically handed a roster spot on a silver platter, and he just couldn't make it happen. I you know Who would want to hold on to that guy? I guess the only, the only theory that that would work is if they think, oh, he doesn't work in their system for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason would right. be. But... If they say, hey, we play a different game than the Sharks, and I think time again would fit into our system differently because of X, maybe then they might use them. But I think you're right. I don't see what... Maybe they would offer him a minor league deal only. I don't see why they would... Or a two-way deal. Maybe he already had a two-way deal. I don't see why you'd offer him any ability to make the NHL team unless something crazy is going to happen in the summer. So this does open up a roster spot, which Kevin Kurz tweeted out. Uh, This morning um allowing the sharks to acquire a player perhaps in the next 24 hours which i think would be surprising unless it's a goalie dude which is something that that we talked a little bit about this morning the sharks sign uh their backup worcester sharks goalie aaron dell to a nhl contract right he's played 15 games in worcester 1.93 goals allowed 929 save percentage pretty good numbers uh for the american hockey league um but now they have one two three four five goalies under contract if you include jp anderson i believe um do you think that this is an indicator that auntie niemi is going to be moved in the next 24 hours i think so because then they have a guy who's ready to step in. I certainly I think that they're they're shopping him. There's been rumors I've seen on Puck Daddy and other places that the Sharks are asking around about what Antti Niemi would bring. I think he wouldn't bring a whole lot, unfortunately. But uh, I think the the alternative is that the Sharks go to the end of the season and Antti Niemi leaves for nothing because he will be an unrestricted free agent after the season is over. So the chances of the Sharks signing him to a deal don't sound great unless he's willing to take a massive pay cut, uh, which he probably isn't super willing to do. I think he'd probably rather back up a good team than, than take a big pay cut and, and sort of limp around like, like the sharks are doing right now. Uh, He should not be here anymore. Like, and, and, and this is, and in no way is this his fault. I mean, this, this whole thing is, it's not all his fault. But I do think he is part of the problem because he is inconsistent. And, you know, the Sharks have seen what he can give you. He was good for a couple of years. He's been average this year. And 
is, I don't think, going to get any better. It's time to, to part ways and find another solution. So um, will they essentially throw in the towel on the season <laughs> officially by trading uh, Niemi and having Groznik and Stalock be the one to punch the rest of the way. Do you think Doug Wilson's going to do that, especially after this team lunch at uh, in and out today? <laughs> I think so. I, I don't know what the upside would be is if, if you don't trade him. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what the upside would, would, would be. I, I don't see how you could possibly think that the Sharks are in a good position to make the playoffs. And even if they do make the playoffs, I don't see how anyone could think that they are built to go anywhere at this point. Um, you know, certainly a team like Chicago is in dire straits, which we're going to talk a little bit about later, but, but still the other powerhouses in the East, like, uh, or in the West, like, uh, Nashville and St. Louis and the Kings and Anaheim, uh, the sharks are not competing well against any of those teams at the moment. So it's not like, Oh, well we give Antony, we stick around and we get one last bite at the apple. It's like, no, no, the apples nowhere close to us right now. We're not getting a bite at it. So, it's time, to, I really, it's time to cut bait. I agree. And I really hope that Doug Wilson isn't buying into this one last team meeting and let's let the boys try and figure it out one more time. They've had so many chances, dude. This has been BS from the beginning of the year. And, you know, I, I've some, seen some people write about how in the Epic series, and I haven't watched episode four yet, but it is interesting that there's a ton of footage of the LA Kings players hanging out together and not a ton of footage of the San Jose Sharks players hanging out together. Do you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. It's now, I, I mean, haven't thought that, about that. that this is Hollywood editing, you know, and, and it could be just the way the series is cut, but I do find that interesting. I, I remember the Joe Thornton, uh, Super Bowl party and the people who were at that party that were on camera were the guy who was running around in his underwear who's not um uh, on the team John Scott and Tyler Kennedy. I remember those being the guys who were at that uh at that party. Yeah. Yeah. Now maybe the other guys were there dude, but I don't I they certainly didn't focus on that. There certainly wasn't the emphasis in that series in terms of the LA Kings. The emphasis it, from an, an editing narrative was on team unity. I saw a bunch of individual shark stories. I saw Vlasic carrying his dog when he had an upper body injury. I saw Burns <laughs> going to the zoo. And I saw Pavelski at home with his kid, which was cute, but not team-oriented. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that, like you said, if that's just something we're reading into it now because it seems like the team's in such a terrible spot or if that's a reflection of how things really are. These guys are coworkers still. They're not teammates, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the proof is on the ice, dude. And it it is that they're still coworkers. Like, it's, the evidence is there. Yeah. Anyways, dude, um, let's take a look at the guys who we think maybe might be uh, on another team in the next 24 hours, dude. We started with Auntie Niemi, dude. Um, instead of trying to figure out where he might go, because I think that's, we've already talked about that a little bit, I want to ask you, I'm going to name a player, and I want you to tell me what you think would be an acceptable return. So Auntie Niemi, what is an acceptable return? I think right now... Acceptable to the Sharks, or you think a realistic return? I'm saying it is acceptable 
you would accept it or Doug Wilson would accept the offer for blank. Third or fourth round pick for Auntie Niemi. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's that's probably pushing it a little bit. If you look at um, a player like Thomas Fleischman went to the Ducks for a third, and you know the contract of Danny Heatley going back, Sean Bergenheim I think went for like a third, and a couple years later, some some teams are dealing higher picks uh, in the 2016 draft. So maybe Doug Wilson gets a second in the 2016 draft or something like that for him. Um, but I think you're right, a third. Um, is probably a realistic uh, return. How about Tyler Kennedy? Anybody going to be interested in Tyler Kennedy? I think someone might be interested in Tyler Kennedy. Uh, probably around the same spot. I don't know how healthy he is, assuming he's healthy. You know, we don't know anybody's real health status, but if someone knows, uh, if if assuming that he is healthy, I think a third or fourth round pick is is realistic for Tyler Kennedy as well. He could help somebody. We thought he was going to help the Sharks. We were disappointed. He seemed to be sort of in the doghouse immediately. I think the Sharks are going to have to retain some of his salary. I mean, and and yep. that's um, a decision the Sharks will have to make, and, and they might get a higher pick if they're willing to do that. You know, So maybe they could get a fourth uh, for Tyler Kennedy if they were willing to eat half of it. You know, you figure he's going to go to a team that's not going to have a ton of cap space him he could be useful in a bottom six situation uh if the sharks retain how about james shepherd i don't i honestly don't know if james shepherd would be wanted by anyone uh but um yeah i'd say even even a lower pick for james shepherd you know tyler kennedy obviously has some sort of track record playing with good players and james shepherd is had a tough time sort of hanging on to a specific role uh, with the Sharks. So, and, you know, obviously the injury history and the whole thing. So, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of people calling about James Shepard, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, I know a lot of people have taken us to task for railing on James Shepard this year. So I'm not pretending that I'm uh, the most uh, even uh, assessor of his talent, but I think someone someone might want him for very little. I, I I think he's not going anywhere because I think Doug Wilson still has an inflated estimation of how good he is. I think he's going to stay, dude. Okay. I think he's going to stay. I think he should go. Uh, I I've as I've said many times, I've seen enough. Uh, but uh, I think he'll end up staying. How about Andrew Desjardins? Well, we've heard that it, people are asking about Andrew Desjardins. I think he is a useful fourth line player. I think several teams could use a useful fourth line player, but. Uh... You know, it's just a question of will the stars align in order for him to get moved. I think it sounds like the Sharks are willing to trade him. So I think this could be the time. I think the Sharks have, you know, signed him to these sort of small deals in hopes maybe he could take a, a small step up and, and become a little bit more than what he's been in the past. And it seems pretty clear that he is what he has been, a fourth line player. Uh, and I guess he has been scratched several times recently, so he hasn't even been doing a very good job of that. So I, I could see him being moved for a you know, fifth or sixth round pick. How about John Scott? I don't think John Scott's going anywhere. I don't think that's a deal that anybody really cares about. I don't think he fills a role that most teams really need anymore. We certainly talked about that. I think he's actually probably fairly beneficial in the locker room. I think that's pretty much his primary uh, strength is they sign him because he's a, a good guy and 
he tries to keep things going and you know you see in like the epic series like people joking about his ice time and he jokes right back i mean he just seems to be a, a very easygoing person and no one it's not like anyone wants him for his on ice ability you know he, he barely uses it so i don't think john scott's going anywhere because what are people going to give for it how about matt Irwin, dude <sighs> that's a tough one i you know I think Matt, Matt Irwin in some ways is in the same, uh, you know, position as time again. I think he's, he was given, you know, a top six spot on a silver platter and he couldn't take it. I mean, if Scott Hannon's taking your minutes, then you're not an NHL player. That's, that's my, that's my view. And, and it sucks. I mean, everybody wanted to see Matt Irwin, uh, you know, succeed. And, and he certainly made a splash when he, when he came up for the first time, I remember that there was a lot of excitement about this guy and he could be very, efficient offensively and he could help on the power play and things like that. And it just, he can't seem to avoid making terrible mistakes. And I don't think the coaching staff seems to trust him. I can't imagine another team would feel any differently. Don't you think that Matt Irwin has been better lately, dude? I mean, certainly he, his offensive output has been a little bit better. He seems to have scored a couple times uh, this week. Yeah. But you know, two goals in a week, you know, after a season where he couldn't stay in the lineup, I don't know. Scott that, Hannon, dude. Scott Hannon. I don't think Scott Hannon's going anywhere either. Uh, you know, he's he's at the end of his career. You know, he got the silver stick. I think he's 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 done way more than anyone expected him to do this year. I think everybody thought he was going to be sort of a, in a mentoring role, and he ended up playing most of the games. Uh, has he been good? No, but, you know, I don't think anybody expected him to be that good. So it's just sort of he's playing because he's there, and he's playing because no one else can be any better, which is not saying a whole lot for those other players. So I think Scott Hannon is going to play out the string here, and most likely he'll retire at the end of the season. I think he will be traded, dude, for exactly what the Sharks traded for him, which I think was about a seventh-round pick. Yeah, I suppose that's possible. If someone needs a seventh defenseman or an eighth defenseman, obviously they you know, know he's durable enough and he can play. But hmm. Brendan Dillon. Is an RFA dude. What is Brendan Dillon's uh, status on this team? I have no earthly idea. I still like Brendan Dillon. I don't even really know why. <laughs> I can't even really give a reason why I like Brendan Dillon. I just kind of like Brendan Dillon. He seems to, I don't know, he seems to try, <laughs> unlike some of these other players. He seems to actually try. Um, is, there any, is there anybody I have not mentioned that you think could possibly get moved in the 20, next 24 hours? Well, other than your big, uh, you know, big crazy trades, which we did last week, you know, we're talking about Couture and these huge deals. I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, you named quite a few guys already. Um, well, those are all UFAs and RFAs. Those are our main UFAs and RFAs. Did we get any crazy trade emails soon? We did. I think uh, Cordy Cordy actually sent us two. All right, let's do it. Um, okay, hold on. Let me play the uh, sound here, dude. I, I know he wants to hear the sound. Crazy trade. All right, dude. Here's what he says. He, he has another crazy trade. Brent Burns and his bad defensive miscues. Logan Couture, James Shepard, and a second. This is a blockbuster. For Ryan Johansson, James Wisniewski, and their first. Wisniewski's under contract for two more years and can fill that giant gaping hole with a booming shot from the point, playing next to Brendan Dillon on the second pairing. If they want, we could throw in Scott Hannon and Tyler Kennedy to sweeten the deal. I'm sure they'd be thrilled for those two guys. I don't know, dude. What do you think? Ryan uh, Johansson? I would, I, 
I, I would I would do that. I I think Columbus would hang up if you called. Yeah, that's true. That's you're true. gonna you're gonna ask them for their first this year, which is gonna be a lottery pick, right? Yeah. Ryan Johansson, who right now is a better player than Logan Couture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Wisniewski and Burns, which is when both players are at their full potential is maybe slight advantage burns. Yeah. And then we give them what else? Sack of potatoes. A second. Yeah. I, yeah. No. I, I don't think it's quite as, uh, quite as, uh, as lopsided as you think, but I do think it, it definitely tilts, uh, <laughs> distinctly in the sharks favor and they're not going to want to give up Ryan Johansson. That's no. not a player you want to get rid of. No. They're, they're certainly in a it. place where they want to get better with young players and Ryan Johansson yeah. right in the center of that picture. I would do it, but I don't think anyone else would. Right. Oh, he's got another one. Uh, yeah. Two from Cordy Cordy this week. What about swapping Logan Couture for Seth Jones straight up, dude? Would you do it? No. No? You don't want Seth no. Jones? No, I haven't seen enough from Seth Jones to know that he's actually going to be you know, ready to be a top, like if you're going to trade Logan Couture, you better get a top two defenseman back. And is Seth Jones a top two defenseman? He's not right now. No. So would you? Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, he was, he was bad last year in the plus minus column, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I haven't seen enough. You're right. I haven't seen enough from Seth Jones. You want this guy to be a lock. Uh, to be a stud on the blue line. And um, I don't know. Do you know who he's paired with? He's not. He's certainly not paired with Weber, right? Or is he? No, Josie's Roman, Roman Josie's, Josie's paired with, with Weber. Weber. I think Seth Jones is with, um, I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay, but he's not He's not getting, uh, he's he's not playing the tough toughest minutes the way Shea Weber is. So no, he's probably no. being sheltered somewhat by that. So if you want to get a guy like that, Logan Couture plays all the toughest minutes against the toughest competition. Say what you will about him. That's what Logan Couture's role is. And he's still scoring at a fairly significant clip. You'd certainly want something like that out of Seth Jones. And we just haven't seen it yet. So that's, that goes the other way. That's not a great deal for the Sharks right now. Dude, as you look around the NHL, like what teams do you think as they're making pushes towards the playoffs? I think the sellers are pretty clearly identified you know, who's going to be selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sharks should join that group. Will they join that group? I don't know. But um, what teams do you think are most in need of a trade that have not made moves yet? Now, we've seen Chicago trade for Tiemann and Verlander. I'm sorry, uh, not Verlander, uh, Vermette Verlander. <laughs> yeah, they, need a, they, they need a right-hander, you know? Yager uh, to Florida, which was crazy, right? Yeah. Um Today, Keith Yandel to the Rangers. That is a crazy trade. Crazy so, trade. I'm surprised uh, what, Arizona made that deal. Well, I, it sounds like they got a pretty good return. When you look at, you know, um, someone broke it down. They got Duclair, who everybody loves, the, the future of that kid. Plus, they got a first-round pick. So now Arizona has two first-round picks in 2015 and two first-round picks in 2016. Yeah. I and they got a decent shot of getting, I mean, they're going to be in the bottom of the, they might get, what if they get Eichel or 
Um, McDavid. McDavid. Yeah, that's true. That's true, Arizona, the new hockey hotbed. <laughs> oh man! Well, oh god, that would just be such a nightmare for the NHL if Arizona <laughs> got the first pick, right? Oh my god, that'd be terrible. They're like, and Connor McDavid is so excited to be playing his pro hockey career one of the most touted prospects in years probably the most touted prospects since cindy crosby he's gonna be playing in glendale hooray <laughs> hey if wayne gretzky can do it yeah yeah dude what what teams do you think what, what teams are gonna be looking at tomorrow in terms of making moves dude well isn't boston boston's looking to tool up i mean chicago, is chicago looking to make another move you think I would think that they're probably done. I mean, maybe they might. I mean, that might be a team that might be looking at Andrew Desjardins or someone like that. That mm-hmm. you know um, might want to get an, an extra depth part. But I think their major moves are probably done. Boston, I think for sure. Yeah, um, they're in a, a bit of a, a fight with Florida to to get a playoff spot. Um, they're probably going to make a move. I think Detroit might be looking to make a move. There's rumors that they're considering making a deal for Fanuf. Detroit is. That's the rumor. Wow. Yeah, that that seems to be one of the bigger players that's still available. It seems like Fanuf is. I heard. I mean, there was a rumor that Anaheim might be going after that guy. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that Fanuf in the right situation, I'm sure, would be. But he, he should, probably just can't wait to get out of there. I think most of those guys, they can't wait to get out of there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It's just. It, it, I mean, Toronto is just like such a, a terrible situation right now. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would want to play there right now. I mean, nobody is in good standing with the fans or anyone else at this point. Everybody just sucks. L- let me ask you this, dude. Are, isn't that where we're heading? Isn't that where the Sharks are heading? I know it will never be the media pressure cooker that Toronto is, and they won't be under that spotlight because the Sharks, especially with the success of the Warriors, the the 49ers being down in Santa Clara now, the Giants being the World Series champions, the Earthquakes with their new stadium, the Sharks are you know fourth you know in terms of uh, the pecking order of Bay Area sports teams. I mean, I'm not even including the A's and and the Raiders in, in that, but. I mean, aren't we kind of heading to that point where the Sharks are like, you know, nobody wants to come here anyways as a UFA, and now the team is so wildly dysfunctional. I mean, are we, is that our path? No, I think we have a ways to go before we're in Maple Leaf territory, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's some, that's some powerful messed up over there. I I think we're, we're a ways away. And plus we have, we have better players, I think, that we can, that the Sharks can, can, tout as being able to play with i mean we you know whether we like the situation or not joe thorne is still a superstar whether we like it or not we still have some effective players and couture and pavelski and things like that you look up and down the maple leafs roster you don't see that kind of thing you know i mean daniel winnick has more points than dion Phaneuf. that's crazy so <laughs> daniel winnick is probably loving life right now is on the pittsburgh penguins his sixth team and Four years or something like that, dude. Yeah. Uh, they gave up quite a bit to get him. I hope he's got miles. You know, I really hope he's got. You know, like 
<laughs> you know, one of those good credit card deals where you get like, yeah. you know, double miles every time you, you eat at Olive Garden or whatever, you know, you really want one of those right now. Cause he is, I, I don't know what the deal is with Daniel Winnick, but he doesn't seem to stay anywhere for a long time. Now make of that what you will. <laughs> but, I think, uh, I think he's got a, a, like a direct line to U-Haul. Yeah, I think he's got like maybe that's his credit card. You know, he's got like <laughs> you know, U-Haul points or something. He gets like free boxes whenever he wants, you know, something like that. Dude, what are your thoughts on the David Clarkson for Nathan Horton deal? I th- how how much uh salary did Toronto retain? Any? None. It was a straight I think it was a straight trade. Then I think it's a great deal for Toronto. I mean, that was a guy who was in a terrible position. Everybody hated him. He wanted to play there. He was trying to do the right thing. It didn't work out. He sucks. He has 15 points, you know, and they're paying him $6 million a year. And he just needed to get shipped. And they didn't have to take... Yeah, they took... Technically, they took some salary in Nathan Horton, but the guy's on LTIR. It doesn't even count against the cap. That's a great deal for Toronto as far as I'm concerned. Who cares if they get, like, any players in return? I mean, I was... I mean, I, I would think David Clarkson, one of those guys, if you wave him, no one would even take him. Well, I mean, that's probably true. You know, I think that it worked for for Columbus. See, I I actually like it better for Columbus than I do for Toronto because at least Columbus is getting a player that once upon a time was actually useful. He completely crumbled under the pressure in Toronto and they were saddled with Nathan Horton, who was he's never going to play again. So if you're going to have to pay the money, you may as well play it to a guy who might be able to play instead of a guy who literally can't. And you were going to be screwed with that anyways. The thing with the the Maple Leafs and the cap space, and I don't know all the ins and outs about this, dude, but I think if you don't spend to a certain percentage of the cap, that LTR savings doesn't even kick in. And if the Leafs aren't going to be a high-spending team, they they don't get any cap savings. That's true. That's true. They do have to be within a certain... But they could basically spend to the cap, not counting Horton's salary, if they choose to. Right. So it does. So if they're gonna if they're gonna spend up, and and you know, and Horton's gonna be on the books for several years. Um. So, you eventually, I'm sure they're gonna attempt to you know be a little bit higher spending, and that's where the savings might kick in. But I mean, this is such a you know we made a huge mistake with Clarkson. We're willing to pay a guy who is in traction to right. not play in order to get rid of you so bad. Right, right. It, it may be one of those deals that's actually kind of good for both teams. You're right. Cause, but the problem is if, if Clarkson doesn't work out in Columbus, then Columbus is totally screwed because they'll never be able to get rid of him. That's, right. the, that's the biggest risk for Columbus. Yeah, sure, they can hope that he's going to be good, but hope is not exactly a plan. And if he turns out that he, he operates much better in a smaller market like Columbus and, and he rejuvenates his career, great. But if he doesn't, then Columbus is stuck with him and... And uh, it's just going to drag down uh, their hopes to make it back to the playoffs, which a lot of people thought this year might be the year. Yep. Well, dude, I'm I'm scanning through Twitter here as we're wrapping things up. I do not see any new moves, dude. The the wait is on. Tick tock goes the clock. Will the Sharks make a move? Will Doug Wilson buy into the power lunch that happened today? at El Burrow and uh, just decide to let the boys play out the string 
or will several of the Sharks be on new teams? And will the San Jose Sharks then gut the Worcester Sharks, who are making a playoff push of, of all their good players, and totally destroy that city on their way out the door? Who knows? <laughs> right. Maybe they could actually destroy two teams in the matter of a few moves. Not only the Sharks that, will go down, but the Worcester Sharks will their playoff hopes and and for the Calder Cup will then be dashed as well. The the big club has always flipped the bird to the <laughs> AHL club. It's true. And um if they trade like two or three roster players t- tomorrow and have to bring up, you know, some of the key contributors off that Worcester team, that's going to be <laughs> really really funny/sad. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Well, dude, I hopefully we'll be able to do another podcast uh, in a few days after the trade deadline, and we can sort of talk and and wrap up our thoughts on exactly what the Sharks did or didn't do. And I think there could be quite a bit more movement. I think we have less than 24 hours until the deadline, but I think there could be a lot of stuff that happens. Uh, and Monday night against Montreal, we could see a very different team on the ice, dude. Is this going to be a classic Sharks move where the Sharks are going to give up a bunch of players or not, everyone's going to be peeved about it one way or the other. Um, you know, some people are going to be mad that not enough people were traded. Some people are going to be mad that that nobody was traded. Whatever. And then the Sharks are going to go out and beat one of the best teams in the NHL in the Montreal Canadiens. Is that going to be our classic Sharks move, dude? No, I think this team has flatlined. You think that I, they just continue to to crater, and Montreal is just going to walk over them? Um. I don't know if they're going to walk over them, but I could see the exact same thing happening. They're going to come out with some, I mean, I think it really will depend on how many guys are gone tomorrow. You know, if, if we're talking like Tyler Kennedy and Scott Hannon are gone, it, it, it might not have too major of an effect on the team. But I think if Niemi is gone tomorrow, the Sharks lose. Cause I think that that's one of the guys that, you know, was there, you know, they all seem to really like him even though they don't play that well in front of him. And I think that that Niemi being gone is going to be a huge gut punch to the core of this team that they recognize that management has essentially said, this is over. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the Sharks go out and bring in a player like Jonathan Bernier, which we you know have heard the rumors that Bernier is potentially available. Drager refuted that a little bit today saying, you know, Maple Leafs are not shopping him, but they are listening. Um, reports are that the Sharks are interested. If the Sharks were interested in, in him, what do you think about him being brought in as the future number one of the San Jose Sharks? And what would you consider to be an acceptable price for the Sharks to pay to bring in Jonathan Bernier? Because it's not going to be cheap. No, they're going to need a pick and a player probably, don't you think? Right. It just depends on which player, I suppose. I mean, picks. What would you, if you're the GM, first of all, do you want Jonathan Bernier? Do you think that is potentially the answer to our goalie problem? Which the irony of the Sharks being one of the best goalie developing teams over the last 20 years, and now we're in a giant toilet. Yeah. In terms of goalie development, what they have to make a move that's of some kind of move. I like Jonathan so, Bernier. I would love to take a flyer on him, but I'm scared about what we would give up for him because I, I wouldn't say he got a fair shake in L.A. because Jonathan Quick just played too damn well to ever give Bernier a chance. But certainly Bernier could have taken the job in Toronto, but maybe that's just a function of how just, how terrible that, that team has been and how hard it is to play there, both in terms of 
just the general mess that the team is in the in the pressure cooker that it is in Toronto. I do like the idea of Jonathan Bernier quite a lot, but I'm I'm scared about oh, we have to give up you know, Nieto to get him or something, you know, Nieto and a good pick. I, I would be scared about something like that. So what's an acceptable price? Chris Tierney and a seventh round pick. And a seven. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I, you know, somebody not, not, not hurdle, not Nieto, basically not hurdle, not Nieto. Um, what has Nieto shown this year that makes you feel like he's going to be anything significant, dude? The the only thing is, and I know this is super dorky, but his his possession stats are still excellent. The fact that he hasn't produced, I think, is obviously a huge mark against him. But it's not like he's just like a possession hole. I mean, he still powers possession all year. He's been very very good. So, I, I, does that mean he gets a total pass? No, it doesn't mean he gets a pass. But it certainly means he's not just like a bum. So I don't know what it all means, what it all adds up to. But I still think he's in the top tier of the young players that the Sharks have right now. I, I certainly put him above guys like Goodrow and Tierney that can seem to stay in the lineup consistently. You know, have been sort of in and out. He's definitely a lot better than those guys. So I'm I'm reluctant to give up a guy like that. I don't know. I think they're they might want a guy like that though. They might want a Hurdle or a Nieto. And I guess I guess Nieto would be the better player to part with from the Sharks' perspective, but. If you believe, I guess it's going to be if the team believes that Bernier is the next franchise goalie for the San Jose Sharks, then they're going to have to pay whatever price they feel they need to pay to get their hands on a talent like that. Um, But it is concerning and a giant red flag that a team that is struggling and looking to rebuild is willing to trade a young goalie that, you know, potentially has you know number one starter potential but has really been inconsistent in toronto right and i can't imagine the sharks thinking what you just said which is this is going to be the number one goalie going forward i think there's there's going to be a a hopefully word thrown into that uh this is not going to be like oh yeah we definitely know that we're going to get bernier and then we're going to start him um, I don't think anybody can say that right now. They're going to hope maybe we can maybe we can get this guy. Maybe he could rejuvenate his career in San Jose, and maybe he can be our number one starter. Wouldn't that be great? But I don't think they're going to be willing to trade the farm for him because, like like we said, he, he hasn't been able to do it yet. So what makes uh, you know what makes anybody think he's suddenly going to be able to turn the corner? I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to see him. I'd like to see what he can do. But I don't think you just you go all in on a guy like that. It's going to be an interesting uh, 24 hours here, dude. We'll certainly be keeping our our eyes on Twitter, and uh, and I'm sure we'll be texting each other furiously in the next 24 hours, dude. And uh, we'll see. I I have I have no expectations, to be honest. I could see us doing nothing, and I could see us trading four players. Right. I, I'm the same way. I, I don't think. Uh... Predictions about the Sharks this year have not come true very often for either of us, so I'm, I'm not weighing in on exactly what I think the Sharks will do. I think we're pretty clear on what we think they should do, but I have no idea what they will do. All right, dude. Well, we'll talk soon in a couple of days, and uh, go Sharks! Go Sharks! Hate the show? 
Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the Salesy Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.